0: Let me
1: tell you what this political movement is about. Jobs and growth for all Australians. Gone jobs and growth, have great jobs. Economic growth, strong growth, more jobs. When they go low, we go high. So I'm seeing in my mind something very similar with this bill to a colonoscopy. It's Let me fair just stop enough. you so you don't waste a line of questioning. I'm just giving you... <laughs> I love the man spliny. I would build a great wall and nobody builds walls better than me, believe me.
0: Please clap. Please clap. Good job, good
1: job. This is Represent. 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 Represent on Sin Nation. Good afternoon. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation. I'm Julia. I'm Maggie. And we'll be discussing all the important um, issues of the week in today's episode. We'll be having a look at the leadership of Ung Sang Suchi and um, her dealing with or lack of dealing with the um, plight of and people in Myanmar. We'll be talking a little bit more about natural disasters and the political implications of that, considering um, the Hurricane Irma, I believe is the name, um, which has hit the ca- Caribbean. And of course, we'll be doing pop chat where we'll be discussing... Um, funny interesting light-hearted stories that happen throughout the week but of course we want to hear from you send us a tweet to at sin represent, or follow us on facebook facebook.com forward slash we're going to go to a song now this is into you by Ariana grande you're listening to represent on sin nation Joel there with We Didn't Start the Fire. You're listening to Represent on Sin Nation and before that you heard Ariana Grande with Into You because we're into that. We <laughs> are indeed. <laughs> um and yeah, you're listening to Represent on Sin Nation and we are talking about Hurricane Irma, which is yet another natural disaster that we're dealing with in like seem the next happening
0: around this time. Yeah. Mm. And with that, um, we've got a little bit of, um, I guess, less sad, more interesting is Richard Branson. Um, So for those who don't know who that is, he is the billionaire founder of the Virgin Group, so the planes that you have probably taken or wanted to take and he actually rode out the storm in the caribbeans in his fancy wine cellar and came out completely unscathed so it was a fortified wine cellar Mm -hmm. get this he had um reinforced hurricane blinds designed to withstand high winds that's amazing incredible, and um, so unlike the rest of his neighbourhood that had, um, you know, trees flying everywhere and houses being completely, you know, um, uprooted he was completely fine to his credit um, he is um, making a donation towards the the hurricane relief sort of needs and is urging other people to do so as well, but it is quite interesting Julia, don't you think, that Mm. that disparity that exists within comparing him to like
1: people that live in that sort of neighbourhood. It is it's like I believe he like and I'm not 100% sure but he has like a private island or there's a Uh whole like you know very large grounds that that he owns and this is the Caribbean it's not the wealthiest section of the world Um, and he's he's super wealthy Um, I think it's good that he's caring enough that he will be spending some of his money um, towards the effort. Mm. But it is that whole disparity between people who are poor or just nowhere near as wealthy Mm. and someone who's got a cellar full of fortified wine Mm -hmm. where you can just, you know, drink and... I <laughs> feel and like
0: you're in the middle of like a horror movie but not be you know in any danger yourself yeah
1: exactly it's that weird you know you know it's that it's that thing where like you know that you're in a dangerous situation but you're safe
0: mm.
1: but the thing is everyone else isn't exactly
0: I'll jump in right there and just let you guys know he is actually the 324th wealthiest person in the world with a net worth of about US 5 billion that's a lot of money, that's a lot
1: of money. yeah thanks um, but Irma, of course, is just devastating. Um, and we're probably gonna be hearing more about it. Um, I mm-hmm. think up to 58 people have been found to be who there are 58 people who have died so far. Mm. Um, so that's I think that's pretty that's bigger than Harvey. Mm. It will be, I think it's already hit um, Florida, um, though perhaps not quite as severely as um, other countries that have been affected, um, including Mexico. Um, But we are seeing much more storms, um, and much, you know, as much as um, hurricanes are just a part of life. the the things that happen well I mean like I guess it's the same as like you know bushfires and whatnot Mm -hmm. um you know the intensity and the frequency is is notable
0: Mm -hmm. and there have been I guess um climate change scientists who have sort of indicated although you can't attribute you know single events like hurricanes like the flooding and um to climate change in general but you know the trend of how many that are happening like Julia just said and the fact that they stay for longer and are causing more devastation due to you know lurking due to I believe um the amount of humidity in the air is really concerning and it is something I feel like we do need to take more seriously maybe as we move on from these events to think about what we can do in the future
1: and it is that it is like and again like I'm going to be looking at this from a lens of like who gets affected and and who who who's mm. the pe- who are the people who are the equivalent of Richard Branson in the sense that mm. you know even if things go really bad they've got a cellar they've got a wine cellar that's full of wine and they can they can drink and that's okay you know as the apocalypse happens you know they're okay because um I think there's also been a lot of renewed discussion this is like a little bit separate. To this particular issue, but um, a lot of Pacific nations are getting quite angered at Australia and Australia's continued um, usage of um, coal mm. um, and reluctance to move to more renewable energies, because these Pacific nations, these islands, are aware of, you know, things that. Won't hurt Australia, but are hurting them as far as like rising sea levels and whatnot. Um, whereas perhaps Australia, in this, if we're going to make an analogy, is some is you know a little bit. It's a little bit like um, Richard Branson in a sense that you know we're wealthy, you know we've got more space to go inland. You know if mm-hmm. if like if Sydney's going to flood, we can all move just to the west and move out inwards whereas if you're on a small island that's not the case. Yeah. I
0: think that's <laughs> something
1: that um, like
0: more me- people need to realise, especially, you know, the wealthy people that have the opportunity right now to, you know, hide from natural disasters. Like if nothing's done, there's not gonna be anywhere on earth for you to hide, you know, if climate change turns into something you know like the apocalypse there is no bunker that's (laughs) going to protect you yeah and on that note um a few days ago Mars actually you know the chocolate bars they invested around one billion into a sustainability plan which is amazing you know a billion is not I feel like when numbers get so big it's really hard to actually imagine that's like a thousand million dollars into sustainability and I feel like Is a lot more that other companies can, you know, look at this and other wealthy people can look at this. And I think it's saying something when a
1: company does it rather than a government. Exactly. Um, And hopefully if more companies do things and use their leverage, um, you know, maybe governments will do the same. But I think it it does say something because companies, yes, it's great when companies have a social conscience, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they're they are um companies they care about their products they care about their consumers you know like they don't need to necessarily like yeah. we, sh- we like them to but mm-hmm. they don't it's not really their jurisdiction to do so if
0: everyone's dead who's going to buy their chocolate right
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're totally right about you know governments really need to step step up in this instance because it is their duty to protect us as the citizens that elected them into office and you know,
1: okay. e- like Mars could just be focusing on chocolate, whereas the government, their job is to look after the people who voted for them. Mm. But, yeah, so we're gonna go to another song. Um, this is, uh, my kind of woman by Mac DeMarco. We'll be back very shortly, um, and we'll be talking a bit more about um all the interesting things that have happened this week. But of course, we want to hear from you. So send through tweets to SinRepresent or comment or um, follow us on Facebook on facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. Here is My Kind of Woman by Mac DeMarco. Uh. Gambino there with Redbone. Before that, you heard um, Mac DeMarco with My Kind of Woman. You're listening to represent on Sin Nation. And um, we are going to be discussing um, some of the issues around Myanmar, but we're going to be really zeroing in about the, um, about um, Aung San Suu Kyi and her role. And looking at, I guess, kind of like how particularly us from a Western context, have viewed her and have have kind of, um, you know, had our, I guess, perceptions of her change. Um, but, of course, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at SinRepresent or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash SinRepresent. Um, but I think before we kind of get stuck into it, we should probably be very clear that what's happening to Rihinga in... Um, Myanmar is terrible, terrifying. Um, And um, there's currently a protest um, outside the State Library um, calling for the Australian government to make actions that will put pressure on Myanmar so um, the government over there will actually do more to look after the Rohingya. Um, Currently Many people, um, many Rohingyas are moving to, well, are ev- evacuating Myanmar and um, fleeing to Bangladesh, which, as we already know, is a country that is currently going through its own problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is, you know, not a developed nation. It it, it needs help from other people. Currently, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of underwater. So I think it's really saying something when people are fleeing to a place that's that's been hit by natural disasters. But, um, you know, uh, it's a very obviously a seriously desperate situation that I think Western countries should really, you know, think about what they have and what they can offer to these people um, in the source of aid, in the source of asylum, in the source of um you know putting on political pressure um I think yeah what do you feel about that
0: (laughs) yeah no like absolutely right Julia like um looking at some of the reporting on the issues like the stories that these people are bringing um of like the devastation that they've suffered it's it's truly shocking. It's sort of sometimes if you... Sometimes I feel like if I don't read the news or watch the news, I just feel like I live in such a bubble in Australia. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, like we live in like a like great country in my life anyway. I'm so privileged and I look out, I look at the news. I even actually just look around Melbourne, I'm like, wait, there's, you know, things like this happening around us on the other side of the world that I didn't realise, Like like Julia said, I think the figures right now sit at around 270,000. Rahim Muslims um, fleeing to um, Myanmar, which is a ridiculous amount of people. And like um, Julia said, you know, they have their own problems. Like, how are they going to cope with so many new people um, fleeing there? Thankfully, so far, it seems like the locals, um, according to reportings, have been very receptive and very accommodating and trying to help these people to the best of their abilities. But... You know, like, when it comes down to it, if resources dwindle even more and it comes down to having to look after your own family or something, I can feel like sentiments might change in turn of more yeah, support. Yeah, I think exists.
1: there's a certain amount of affinity because Bangladesh is a Muslim-majority country mm-hmm. and Rohingyas are Muslims. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a, a level of, you know, these are our brothers and sisters, we need to look after them. Um, and there's that kind of hospitality. Much mm-hmm. like how, I think... And, like, sometimes this is a really bad thing with the West is that we tend to, um, you know, look f- more favourably upon people from Christian backgrounds or um, people who might be European. For instance, I think about the Yazidis who are um, who are um, majority Christian. Mm-hmm. We did a lot more work to help them out than perhaps average, or not average, but non-Christian um, people. Um, um, Syrians for instance that's a possible way that some people might yeah, makes see it
0: sense yeah um, sure, for sure
1: but I think yeah looking at Aung Su um, she she was one of those kind of figures that people like looked up to as like this perfect person who is like very moral has this high moral authority and I think that this is where we forgot that actually, You know, even though I think that what people were doing to her was completely and utterly terrible and, and, you know, she should have gotten um, freed and I'm Mm -hmm. glad that she did, I think we always forget that sometimes these people are also politicians and can be just as ruthless as our politicians
0: Yeah, I'll just jump in here and give you some of the examples of this. So if we look at BBC and their reporting on the Rohingya crisis, why won't Aung San Suu Kyi act? Some of the language that they use is um, she is the perfect symbol of democracy, highly intelligent, okay, well-read, articulate and photogenic. I don't know why they needed to chuck photogenic in there. And um, another line, she was after Nelson Mandela the most important global symbol of defiance against tyranny. That's, although we're not um, saying, like, be sure, we're not saying that any of her actions are okay in the way that she's dealt with this, but this is still a lot of pressure to put on one
1: person, a lot of expectations that she needs to live up to, Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because we, we have a tendency, I think, in the West to um, put certain individuals on such a... Um, and such a uh, pedestal. It was really interesting because I just noticed that on the screen you've got Malala Yousafzai, and I saw mm-hmm. this really interesting article um, kind of saying that you know, Malala is seen as a hero outside of Pakistan but a lot of Pakistanis are like, well, we're still like, yeah, sure, we, we believe in girls' education but we're still suffering mm-hmm. and you've do- you're not actually doing as much as people think you are. Because you know, you've, you've basically got just gone to the west and you're fine now, but you, you're not really fixing things from bomb map. But at the same time, Malala Yousafzai is what 18, yeah, 19, she's um, really yeah. young, like that's a really like a lot to ask a lot for of a... bravery, for her <laughs> yeah. Sort of... So, I mm-hmm. think, um, there is this kind of aspect of you know, when we look at people who are from. You know who might be speaking up against something, but we always we tend to think that they can do more than they actually can. But I think um, I think that like Ansan Tsuki is a little bit more complex than that because I think she is doing the wrong thing. I think that um, she she is in a situation where she, she can actually um, fix something, even though she's not necessarily the person who is. Like, she is not at fault. She's not the reason why Rehens are getting killed or displaced. She's not not guilty of that.
0: Exactly. Like, and that's the thing with a lot of other leaders as well. When they're put in this pedestal and they um, come to, like, a position of power, there's still a lot of history of, like, you know, inequalities of, like, deep-rooted problems, probably from colonial ages, that they are expected to deal with, to solve, like, as soon Mm. as they get into that position. And...
1: But however, as much as like the fact that she might not be the person who is behind all of this, she does have power. Mm. And she does have, you know, yes, there's risks about it, but the risks are minimal. Mm. You know, simply saying, yes, this is a thing that's happening and it's bad and we should condemn it. Even though that's not going to fix everything, that's at least a sign of solidarity. Mm. Um, and she's failed to do that. Mm. Um it's really interesting because um, a lot of people are saying that perhaps her Nobel Prize should be revoked. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of really interesting things about this because some people have pointed out that Nobel laureates um, who are politicians, you know, sometimes they haven't spoken out about other things that they might be even more complicit about. Um and I think that is an interesting thing because it's this kind of um, rise and fall effect um, because as much as she should be um, condemned for not speaking out it's it's kind of it's kind of complicated so for instance a person someone and I think it was probably someone on the internet um, which is never a great source, but mm-hmm. it was it was something that like a comment on the internet made me think about this yeah. um, so Barack Obama won the Peace Prize in 2009. Um, mm. And there's a, still a lot of um, discussion about what his administration has done for the world, good and bad, and a lot of people can't look past, um, you know, the usage of drones in Syria. And some people will equally say that, you know, it is, if you're going to say that Unsung San Suu Kyi should get rid of her Nobel Prize... She should also probably say that, like, Barack Obama should get rid of his. Um, and, like, yes, I think it's, it's kind of hard to say that um, Obama was the source of the problem. I think that American foreign policy is a very complicated beast and has hurt lots of people. Um, and it's not necessarily always a great thing. And it's also something that, you know, even very good presidents who are very... Um, Ethical, you know, unfortunately, it's it's hard to kind of come out of it and just out of it administration without having blood on your hands, mm. uh, which is really unfortunate. But it's interesting why are we asking, you know, why are we saying we should get rid of unsung San Suu Kyiv's one when we're not equally saying, like, what about all these other world leaders, um, particularly world leaders in the West, who you know, whose foreign policy has hurt um, plenty of people in developing nations or nations at war. Mm. And that doesn't make Aung San Suu Kyi any more innocent. I mean, she's not innocent, and I think we should be very clear about that. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: But it's this whole, why did we ever think it was a great idea to put her on a pedestal in the beginning?
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting idea that you bring Julia. <laughs> and I just wonder, like, if there's anything at all that she can do... at this point to turn the situation around if there's anything you know but it's very I think even just recognition of what is happening would be better than what she's doing right now like it won't solve anything it won't really you know undo all of the wrongs that have already happened but to not (laughs) even I'd imagine like amongst being displaced amongst being targeted um, it would just just having that recognised and having that you know That's just such an important first step that should be taken. And I don't know, like, what do you think should... It's very hard to talk right now about, like, what could be done. You see, I don't... What should be done.
1: I think that that the criticism that she's getting is fair. I mean, I think the thing is, I also think that we should equally criticise other leaders who have Mm -hmm. done just as bad when it comes to um, condemning violence with people who may be under the jurisdiction or perhaps... Been affected by foreign policy from their country, mm. but um, I think it, I think the the um, I think it's been fair, but at the same time, we should think about why are we actually kind of, you know, righteously putting um, pressure on her when we might not be righteously putting pressure on other people who also equally deserve it. Um, I think I think that what's happened has. Been, that other leaders and friends of Ansan Kasuki in the um, international sphere have, you know, really pleaded with her to actually take some action. Um, it's really hard, and we have to also remember that she's a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, we are the politics show, but we uh, we know that. Kelly's poli-
0: skeptical of politicians. Well, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, and like, the, there's of course going to be agendas behind what she's doing. As there are agendas behind everything that every politician does. <gasps> um, Politics love it. Yeah. So I think um, I think what really should like she should at least recognise that this is something happening. She's kind of, you know, said, Oh, it's just it's just um terrorists who are doing this. But that's not enough. I mean what are you guys going to do to stop these terrorists? Because you know, perhaps these terrorists might also hurt people in the ethnic majorities. Like why why is it only okay if an ethnic minor minority is getting hurt? Like, you know, that's that's a little bit sketchy. Um mm. I think yeah, it's hard, it's complicated.
0: Yeah, I
1: think Yeah Yeah, um, so it's, it's complicated, isn't it? <laughs> it's really complicated. <laughs> it like, like, we're both a little bit speechless about it. Um, but, of course, you can um, tell us what you think, um, what should be done, what should Aung San Suu Kyi do or say that would possibly make the situation a little bit better. Um, you can, of course, tweet to us at um, Represent. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SynRepresent. We're going to play some more music. This is Prince with When Dubs Cry. Um, you're listening to Represent on SynNation. Nation. <laughs>
0: Buster. Buster. Always taking my body wants and just sits on his book. No, I don't uh, want to uh, number. Uh, uh, no, I don't want to give you mine and no, I don't want to beat you nowhere. No, no. I don't want a new time uh, and no, I don't want no, no. scrubs. The
1: scrubs are kind of king. TLC there with no scrubs before that you heard um, when Dubs cry by. Um, by Prince you're listening to represent on Sin Nation and it is time for Pop Chat where we kind of talk about other news stories throughout the week and um, Maggie, you've got a pretty big one. Sure, so I'll
0: start us off by, um, for those that don't know, Wednesday, so a couple days ago Clinton Priya has finally completed walking, you heard me write walking across Australia to meet the Prime Minister. Um, so that whole journey took about a year, roughly, and he's, you know, gone through about eight pairs of shoes. It involved um, trekking through the desert, multiple times where he wanted to give up, but in the end he made it to Canberra and he had a meeting with Malcolm Turnbull, except it didn't go as well as planned. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of he, should, he said, she said, but um, from Clinton Priya's sort of perspective... Um, So the meeting only lasted 20 minutes. Um, The Prime Minister wouldn't go out to meet him in the tent area that they had set up. And then in general, um, the elders that were sort of presenting these sort of um, improvements that they wanted to be seen, um, they were getting entirely talked over um, by the Prime Minister and the Indigenous Affairs Minister, Nigel Scullion. Um, which ended up in the end with Pryor walking away after 20 minutes, after a very, you know, unsuccessful meeting, and it just seems like a bit of a letdown after, you know, literally trekking across Australia. And Central Australia is not the easiest part to walk in to, you know, um, get this sort of result. But on the other hand, um, you know, according to the Prime Minister, they were listening, they sort of talked, what was being said into consideration, they had some disagreements with some of the um, issues being brought to light. Like, for example, one of the issues, I believe, was um, Priya wanted to get rid of the cashless debit card in um, Western Australia's sort of Goldfields communities. And, um, you know, the Prime Minister sort of had the opposing belief that it was really good. So... I don't know. Um, More meetings are scheduled in the future, so maybe something can come from them. I'm a bit skeptical, though. It just seems like, I don't know, a lot of things are happening, even just not just this year, but like in the past, of Indigenous Indigenous people trying to get you know put through changes through the government, and it's sort of interesting. It's like, to what length do they have to go to be heard and at what point will there be enough support for something like that mm-hmm. to be put through a bit of a more somber note
1: to start off pop chats. But yeah. And like to just like reiterate, like there's just so many things that, I mean, it's just kind of mind boggling how slow mm-hmm. a lot of this progress is. Um, a, a while back, and this was when the Postal, pleb- this was the same week as the Postal um playoff site was mm-hmm. proposed. I remember um and I think I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, mm-hmm. um the party room and um it was this thing of where um it was there was a summit I can't remember the exact name of the summit um and a whole bunch of indigenous leaders from across Australia had come and they said, Yep, we want this thing, and this is what we all want, and we're agreeing, and mm-hmm. that takes a lot for essentially a group of people from different cultures. Because exactly. we always assume that Indigenous people are the same culture, which is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people with different cultures, different needs, different expectations saying, we all want this one thing. And Malcolm Den will basically be like, yeah, I'll just talk to the party room about it. But also there was all this other fuss around. <laughs> the postal plebiscite, which at that point was mm-hmm. very unpopular yeah. um, and is still seen as quite unpopular mm-hmm. so I think it's just really disappointing that people have to go the lengths like walking across the country mm-hmm. um, to and the fact that that even doesn't seem to be enough
0: you know, to get changed you know,
1: people are, are serious um, and people I think seriously want things to happen but i don't think people and again you got to remember politicians do things not necessarily because it's the right thing but because mm-hmm. of um their own careers and their like party and their security mm-hmm. um but like this is something that this person clearly um cares a lot about um and i think this is just indicative of like a larger trend of Indigenous people being like, yep, we want this thing. We know that we want this thing. All you need to do is mm. implement it. And there's been kind of like, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I suppose this
0: is really interesting to me because I actually came here from New Zealand. So I've only been in Australia for about one and a half years now. And don't get me wrong, New Zealand has its own whole host of problems in terms of dealing with our Indigenous populations. But it is... it was quite shocking for me to come here and sort of see the, like, disparity that exists, although we still need to make improvements back home as well. So, for example, I remember with Clinton Priya, um, one of the areas that he went to, apologies if I pronounce this wrong, Uluru? Is that how you pronounce it? Which one? Uluru. Uluru? Yeah, and he was talking about how, um, you know, Indigenous people are very, like, prideful people, and a lot of them are living in heavy... Um, you know, poverty and just, like, having not their basic human rights met in that sort of very sacred area when just five kilometers away there is a resort for people coming from all around the world to, you know, um, basically enjoy that sort of area as a sort of touristy spot when the original owners of that land were living in such different Situations, you know, like literally five kilometers away, and in New Zealand we have um, a lot of we have the Treaty of Waitangi, and um, basically there are some some sort of reparations that go on. So, for example, one of our very popular tourist sites is co-owned by um, some Maori elders that live in that area. For example, the Waitomo caves, so it's a glowworm cave, and um, it's sort of co-owned and co-sort of, you know, the the sort of like um, maintenance is carried out by both the maori elders and sort of tribes that live there as well as you know government forces and likewise the sort of um money that they make from that is equally shared and yep. i feel like that is something that could be a possibility yeah. in australia that's because that, that that's have. what
1: that yeah there's definitely a push for like mm-hmm. a referendum on getting a treaty happening on mm-hmm. so many things and it's very 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 slow. Yeah. And like I think like yeah totally like it's hard looking at New Zealand and the things that they've done which you know again isn't perfect like I know that Maori mm-hmm. people are still overrepresented in um prison systems which is a similar situation we've got here. Mm-hmm. Um but there's still poverty and there's and there's still problems. Yeah. Um but like you know <laughs> I think there's so much like I'm just thinking of like this is really really stupid like basic sim- simple thing of like you know there's you know in New Zealand there's a certain amount of appreciation of um Maori culture that you know you've Absolutely. got like I'm just thinking about like like rugby They have Mm -hmm. the haka at the beginning. (laughs) 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 My mum (laughs) likes watching whenever Mm -hmm. they do the big. Like she's not interested in rugby, but she's interested in like the haka Mm -hmm. because it's like really cool cultural thing, and like you know it's it's gone to that point where people can actually like share culture because they know that they have certain Mm -hmm. rights and certain things that you know people can't cross and certain places that they. Own and it's still mm. sacred and is no longer stolen from them. Whereas I just don't think we're anywhere near that. Yeah. I think that there's so much more we need to do here, and it's really upsetting that people who will walk across Australia Australia is huge. If we're going to put like the amount of kilometres that this person has mm-hmm. walked and put it on a European map, mm-hmm. like that's ridiculous.
0: Around a year. Yeah.
1: That's like. That's about... That's like, that's, like, similar... That's... I'm just thinking about, like, refugees who walk from, you know, Syria to Germany. It's about mm-hmm. the same. It would be about the same yeah. Um, to walk from, you know, Western Australia to Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, So the fact is that there are people who are, you know, they've gotten themselves together and they've said that they wanted these things. And these things... It's very much the same as, like you know um people have power people can do things very quickly but they're just not that interested or mm. there's they don't see it as pressing and that is a very very depressing aspect <laughs> um mm. but yeah um i'm going to be very quick with my pop chat mm. but it's a little bit I want to talk about my inspiration, <laughs> um, my journalistic inspiration. She's kind of become a is. bit of a um, internet meme recently. Her name is Ri Chun Hee. She is an anchor woman for the North Korea news broadcaster. And let's just have a listen to her. She's got an amazing
0: voice. <laughs> 12월 10일 평안북도 철산군 서해 위성 발사장에서 운반 로켓 은하 3을 통한 광명성 3호 이어기
1: 위성의 발사가 성공했습니다. So that's that 's her she 's amazing, Julia. I expect you to speak like this for the rest of the episode i 'll try i 'll do i 'll do the outro like that um but that 's her in two thousand and two uh, not two thousand and two two thousand and twelve uh ten years me like, not thinking for ten years like two thousand two two thousand and twelve same day if not um, i just she 's just amazing um just the voice that she can do and Like, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, But, like, I don't know. She's become an internet meme. Um, The feed did a really, really funny thing about, um, which we'll share on our Facebook page, about um, what would it be like if um, Australian news was, like, presented in the same way. But I think it's really interesting to look and remember, like, what media is like in in countries with authoritarian regimes and how it's so different and you know we can talk about fake news all we want but that's what fake news is <laughs> like and like you got to you got to be um, like she's she's actually got a really amazing career and it's amazing that she is still around because there are purges and she has survived them
0: probably because of her voice
1: probably. you know she she's surviving in a in an authoritarian regime and like that's still pretty amazing um though yeah what you're saying is probably complete crap but um you know take a look and you know you have to like it makes you reflect more on on, you know the place that you are living in and and like how we have it so much better I think this is like our theme that we've got is that check your privilege check your Pretty privilege guys
0: <laughs> in the nicest way possible
1: Please yeah do that. totally and on that note that is all we have time for on represent this um, This this today um, I'm Julia I am Maggie of course you can um, go onto twitter at at Sin Represent and give us feedback there or give us feedback to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Sin Represent. Um, we have podcasts. You might be listening to the podcast right now. Um, and we'll be back next week, same time, same place for more interesting political discussions. And I'll just add that was a great attempt at the voice.
0: Julia. I tried, <laughs> but it didn't really work.
1: I think that um, it would be too loud. But of course, stay political. You're listening to. Sin Nation